With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the BT Powerhouse podcast. This is podcast number 26. It is uh, May 23rd, uh, Saturday. Um, just, uh, I, I guess, the the timing here, it's um, Memorial Day weekend. Uh, for those celebrating, um, you know, obviously have a have a great weekend. Enjoy the, the cookouts and the uh, time with your family and friends. And for people who, um, you know, uh, and uh, on a more serious note, obviously uh, a great holiday. Um, to remember, uh, you know, the people who've served the country, uh, at least the U.S. speaking. Um, obviously, uh, respect um, and a lot of uh, thank yous to all those individuals. But, um, but yeah, you know, sort of the official start to summer here. Um, I know in terms of uh, college basketball, summer has been uh, <laughs> going for a couple of weeks, uh, really, really about a month here. Um, it's kind of crazy to to think about, but really, um, you know, that's, that's where we are. It's been going on, uh, for a while. The, the Duke, uh, Wisconsin game, um, you know, closed out the season here, but, uh, most of the, the spring madness is starting to close up and we're starting to reach the, uh, the doldrums of the summer here, so to speak, um, at least in the college basketball world. Um, what have I, what I mean by that is, uh, you, know, you you don't see a lot of movement in terms of roster once you start hitting June, um, outside of a few odd uh, random events, and you don't really see very much significant news in terms of 2015 recruiting. Uh, what I mean by the year coming in, so really in the next week, two weeks, um, about all the teams are going to have an idea. Pretty pretty solidly what the roster is going to look like, who they have coming in, who's leaving, um, you know where they stand on the recruiting trail, so on and so forth. It's it's unlikely, um, you know, after that period that you're going to see any significant changes, um, especially you know, a few of the the major transfers have announced their decisions over the last week. Um, a few of the major remaining recruits have have done the same, and I think. Um, all told, we pretty much have an idea how how the Big Ten is going to look roster wise for next year. Um, certainly can't <laughs> can't accurately sit here and tell you uh, you know how everything's going to happen, but um, I do think it's pretty clear. Uh, you know, outside of a handful of moves from now on going forward, the rosters are kind of the rosters um, for next season. Um, and and spinning off of that, sort of the kind of the events. Um, over the summer for fans to look forward to. Um, there are there to be a lot of development on the recruiting trail for 2016 and obviously beyond. Um, June 15th is usually where things really start to heat up after that. 
Um, a lot of schools start putting out um, offers for 2017 um, and start rounding into shape. The, you'll see a lot of recruiting action in the week or two following that. Um, again, not really going to have much of an impact on next year uh, in terms of 2015-16, but definitely going beyond, you know, it's going to have an impact. Um, you know, it's it's obviously common sense. You know, you're recruiting for the future, not not right now usually. Um, but you know, those decisions are going to you know be a factor. Uh, you know, Michigan. I know um, they just got a commitment from Ty's Battle. He's a 2016 uh, kid, really talented player, um, going to be really good at the next level. And you know, Michigan fans kind of have to twiddle their thumbs, <laughs> you know, for next season, at least waiting for Battle. Um, but he, he's going to have a, an impact, you know, assuming he does sign a letter of intent, uh, when he can, and, uh, stays with Michigan, you know, he, big 10 fans are going to get used to his name there. Um, so, you know, the recruiting, it does matter. I know it's a little bit of a, kind of down the, the tunnel there, but, uh, <laughs> um, it is important. I'd say that's the, the biggest off season event, um, the the second one is the NBA draft is starting to roll around here uh, pretty quickly. The NBA Combine was, uh, I want to say, last weekend. Um, pretty recently, though, a um, few Big Ten players were there. Aaron White was there, uh, Trayon Petaway. A um, couple of the, you know, the Big Ten's major prospects really didn't play. Um, but they did obviously go there to get measured um, and talk to the teams, interview with them. It's it's going to be an interesting draft year for the Big Ten, um, and the reason I say that is I think they have a guy who legitimately could be drafted number three overall in D'Angelo Russell. Um, you know, there's small chatter he could go higher, but likely he's going to go number three or four, it seems like, and uh, Okafor and, and Towns, um, Okafor from Duke and Towns from Kentucky will go one, two in some order, but uh it does look like Russell is going to be in that the top handful of teams there. Um, you know, maybe the 76 or someone like that, but, uh, you know, that, that, that's going to be the big Ten's big, uh, you know, story, how high he can go, um, this year. But I think the big 10 has a lot of mid round guys that depending on how these workouts go, depending on how teams move around, how things fall, they could have a, a very sh really good draft, uh, maybe not as good as last year, but um, a really good draft, depending on how some of those things shake out. And they could have a pretty weak draft. And, and the reason I say that, um, you know, you have Sam Decker, you have uh, Frank Kaminsky, guys like that who they're pretty much locks for the first round, I would think, at this point. But they could be towards the end. They could be, you know, snap in the middle. They could potentially slide into the lottery if things go right. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a, a Pistons fan myself. Hasn't uh, <laughs> been the greatest the last couple of years, but um, and I, I know they're even talking about Kaminsky. I, I don't think they're going to take him, but um, you know, the Pistons are drafting eight, so that would obviously be a huge pick uh, for Frank the Tank there. Um, and and that's the thing, you know, a lot of the you know, those two, a um, couple of the other ones can shake differently. And then the Big Ten has a handful of guys who could be picked at the end of the second round. Um, I know we talk a lot about, you know, the second round, don't put too much faith into it, you know, no guaranteed contracts, so on and so forth. But, um, you know, you guys 
you got guys like you know an Aaron White, um, Petaway, uh, Dawson um, from Michigan State, guys like that who can get in there, <laughs> you know, if things fall right. But you know, things have to fall right for them to to land in the draft. Um, my my gut feeling right now, I, I'm not an NBA draft expert. I'll say that, but um, I, I feel like at least one or two of those group of that group will get in there. Um, I know Aaron White's get attraction for a 50-ish type of pick. Um, it'll be interesting to watch. Um, you know, oh, does Wells is another one. Um, you know it. I think you could see the Big Ten's overall draft numbers, quote-unquote, because, um, again, there's a huge difference between the first round and the second round in the NBA. Um, so it's kind of hard to gauge just by overall draft numbers. Um, but I think the Big Ten could bump up a lot in their number of drafted players, you know, just depending on how those last few spots shake out there. Um, but, yeah, I, I'd say outside of recruiting, that's the biggest – Definitely the biggest single event of the summer. Um, and the last the last thing, which is we're going to kind of touch on today, um, are the, the scheduling announcements. Um, you know, it's, it's something uh, fans may or may not pay that much attention to until, you know, kind of the, the season starts to roll around here. But uh, it, it has a huge impact. Um, I know Inside the Hall, which is a uh, an Indiana site, um, they just did a, a great write-up on how the schedule of the Big Ten, um, you know, the conference schedule, could actually impact the race for the title. And it's something that doesn't get talked a lot about until it's happening, but um, especially this year with the Big Ten, there's a lot of teams that could be contending at the top. Um, you know, you avoid that tough road game and you get an, an easier game at home or you get an easier team on the road. That can go a long way towards getting you that extra game or two bump to get in, um, you know, in that title race, in that extra seed in the Big Ten tournament or the NCAA tournament. Um, and I think, uh, again, it's something that that doesn't necessarily get a ton of attention, but it does have a big impact on uh, how things actually shake out. Um, and I think... Uh, you know the the biggest the biggest couple announcements are always going to be you know the major marquee non-conference games and the the challenges, <laughs> um, which are quickly if they haven't already becoming the uh, the best non-conference events of the entire season. Um, the big one a uh, little a couple weeks ago here was the they released the the Big Ten ACC Challenge matchups, um, which Arguably, it's the best non-conference event in college basketball. Um, I definitely believe that. Um, you know, maybe things will, you know, with the, a few different challenges emerging, getting a little more uh, traction, maybe maybe that'll change. But I do think um, that it is the premier event right now. Um, and I do think it has the biggest perception impact out of any non-conference event um you know even the champions classic which always gets all the attention with duke you know kansas michigan state and kentucky i think this event gets more attention and it's more recognizable than any other one 
uh, out there um, in college basketball. And, um, you know, with both conferences really, really having a lot of quality teams, a lot of great coaches uh, over the last um, you know, five, six years, it, it's the matchups are becoming great. I mean, last year alone, they had Duke, Wisconsin, which was the title game at the end of the season. Um, so clearly there's a, uh, um, there's some great, uh, great matchups in that event. Um, and this year definitely didn't disappoint um, in the perceived games here. Uh, a lot of what looks like really great teams um, and a lot of huge games um, coming up here. And, uh, today we're gonna we're gonna jump into a lot of those matchups, but um, just to kind of go back to that general point, I'd say that's the that's the third you know big thing you can expect out of the summer here. Um, you know the the schedule announcement, but, um, with it being arguably the biggest Big Ten non-conference scheduling announcement, um, seemed like a good a good starting point here, um, and to help. Uh, discussion here we have two of our two of our writers here are going to jump in um and chat with us and that's andrew and eric um andrew uh how you doing tonight um pretty well uh tom how you doing yeah yeah doing well uh eric how's it going i'm doing good just watching the uh warriors rockets game on a saturday night <laughs> yeah, I uh I regret starting a little bit late. I didn't realize that it actually interfered until I until I looked at it, but uh oh well, I, I guess I'll get to the second half here. <laughs> yeah, that's all um but yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, I said it's all good. Um yeah. yeah. Um <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, I guess jumping right into here, uh, you know, we're talking about kind of the, the things going on in the summer around college basketball, around the Big Ten. Um, and the biggest ones uh, are the schedules, and chief among them, you know, the Big Ten ACC Challenge. Uh, the match revealed a lot of great games on the slate. Um, I'd say potentially headlined by, you know, Indiana at Duke, Maryland at North Carolina, um, a couple of those games. Uh We'll start here with Andrew. Uh, first, what what were your general reactions uh, to the matchups, and uh, what 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 do you identify as the biggest game as of now? Um, I'm gonna say probably the Maryland North Carolina, just a slight edge over the Duke Indiana. Uh, Maryland, of course, being a former ACC team, every year their matchup is, is gonna be is gonna have some sort of drama to it. Uh, and then just the fact that they're both top five contenders going into the preseason right now, you know, the playing in Chapel Hill is always difficult, uh, as is playing in Cameron Indoor Stadium. I don't know how they seem to get all the, the home games on the, on the big games here this year, but (laughs) the ACC got a pretty good break, I think, on that bringing in probably a top two teams right now from the Big Ten coming into North Carolina to go play. But I was a little disappointed in Purdue's draw, to be honest, too. Uh, They're not real good at scheduling their own non-conference schedule the last few years with good opponents and then didn't even draw uh, really a 
good opponent in the ACC Challenge in Pittsburgh. They're solid, but I don't think they're going to be – they're kind of a fringe tournament team at best going into next year from what I've seen. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting to to watch there. Um, Eric, what what were your reactions? Um, just like Andrew said, uh, Maryland North Carolina is definitely going to be probably the premier matchup because those are two uh, preseason title favorites. And if Maryland can get that win at Chapel Hill, that would definitely uh, prove to some of the fans around the country that Maryland's the real deal, even though that we might know Maryland's the real deal. Some people still are skeptical to think that they're a title contender, but they definitely have all the uh, aspects and uh, parts to be a title contender. I'm also excited to watch um, a lot of the talented incoming freshmen coming in, like Swanigan, who just came into Purdue, and then see Thomas Bryan at Indiana. Because remember last year when Duke played Wisconsin in the uh, ACC Big Ten Challenge, uh, Duke had all of their talented freshmen play, and that was the first time a lot of us got to see Okafor, Winslow, and Jones play at an extremely high level, and obviously they're very, very tough freshmen that led the team to the championship. So I'm excited to see the freshmen and definitely Maryland, North Carolina. Yeah, I I agree um, for me. I, I think this is, a, um, you know, it, it's kind of like last year. It seems like um, most years there's kind of two or three matchups that are pretty close. Um, but definitely last year with Duke, Wisconsin. And this year I think Maryland at North Carolina is a runaway, um, you know, the biggest game on the slate, uh, which is kind of significant considering that you have two blue bloods with Indiana and Duke, uh, you know, battling, um, and that's not, you know, perceived as the the biggest game. But, um, yeah, I I think the, you know, there's a couple uh, top-end games, um, not only those two, but the Louisville at Michigan State game also looks like a really interesting one, um, a rematch of the Elite Eight game uh, from this year. and and Andrew talked not uh spoke about it but um I think the the way the home road game split this year is going to be really tough for them. Um, you know it uh the general you know rule is that you play on the road and then the next year you play at home and you just flip flop each year. Uh sometimes that works out well because your good teams are on their home uh <laughs> you know it doesn't work out so well. Because uh, your good teams are on the road flip, and this is the year for the Big Ten where, you know, a bunch of the what looks like the top teams in the conference are all on the road. Um, at least, you know, for me, um, I, I have my power rankings up on the site, but um, I think I want to say five of my top six are all on the road um, in the challenge, which is kind of crazy to think about. Um, so, you know, I hate to say. It, it might be the year where the Big Ten has to rely on a bottom of uh, um, get them through and get get a decent record here. Uh, but yeah, it it looks it still looks like a fun uh, event. Uh, a lot of great games. Um, Andrew, what what do you identify as a game um, that might not grab as much attention, but uh, at least looks intriguing to you, or you think could have some play? Uh, Um, you know, I think it'd be, I don't know, I've, I fell in love a little bit with uh, Nebraska a couple of years ago when they had their, their run. I think it'll be interesting to see how their incoming class plays against 
a pretty good team in Miami, um, but at home, the the Pinnacle Bank Arena, kind of in its first first year, was pretty tough place to play. But then obviously lost some luster last year. Um, and Tim Miles is always fun to watch, in my opinion. Uh, I think Notre Dame Illinois is also interesting. They're both just not. I'm just not sure where those teams are going to be this year uh, with all their kind of roster ton- turnover and things like that. And it's kind of the make-or-break season for uh, Grouchy at Illinois. So that'll be interesting to see. Um, and, of course, Ohio State, Ohio State, Virginia, I think people kind of have that marked down. But I think Ohio State's getting a little less love than they maybe should in that matchup. I mean, they are playing at home. They're bringing in a lot of quality players, but a lot of kind of unproven players. So we'll see where they're at there against one of the top teams probably in the country for the next, I don't know, 10 years. It seems like Virginia's just always solidly <laughs> good with the way that they play. <laughs> yeah, yeah, those uh, those will be interesting ones. Uh, Eric, uh, what game or games do you, do you see that are uh, kind of um, off the beaten path but intriguing for you? Yeah, um, I'm pretty intrigued by the Wisconsin at Syracuse game. Uh, that game would definitely be a, a big-time game a couple years ago because Syracuse was very good a couple years ago, and obviously Wisconsin was very good last year and years before that. But this year, probably it's going a little unnoticed just because Wisconsin's losing their two best players in Kaminsky and Decker. But I want to see how uh, Hayes and Koenig and some of their other guys uh, fill the spotlight for uh well um Kaminsky and Decker take on the NBA. And Syracuse obviously had an off year last year, but it's never an easy win in the carrier dome. So I think that's gonna be and obviously after Jim Beheim and his sanctions this past off season, so that'll be an intriguing game to watch and uh, I think a lot of people be watch should pay attention to that game. Yeah, that's uh it's definitely gonna be interesting to see um you know, Wisconsin has massive turnover this year. Um, I know Badger fans are pretty confident given that Bo Ryan just somehow makes any roster get in the top four of the Big Ten. <laughs> but, uh, um, definitely some huge replacements uh, here. Uh, for me, um, kind of games off the beaten path. Um, Andrew talked about this one, but Notre Dame at Illinois is definitely an intriguing one to me. Um, you have two, uh, I'd say, bigger you know, college basketball programs, uh, they have some, you know, draw in their name. Um, you know, not like a Indiana or Duke. Um, both are losing a couple key starters, uh, arguably their best players, um, but both also have a lot of talent on their teams next year. Um, so I think it's that's going to be kind of a measuring stick game for both those teams. Um, they, they win it, who knows? Maybe it's the start of a a really good season if they lose maybe it's a uh, um you know the start of a of a rough transition year um, i know at least for illinois uh big year on gross big year for the program i know they're trying they have they have a lot of talent um it's just about you know actually converting on that the other the other one that um looks interesting to me is the the florida state at iowa game um i know the hawkeyes aren't going to draw a lot of attention this year, uh, losing Aaron White, losing a couple guys from the front court. Um, but they still look like they're going to have some firepower, uh, especially tough. 
looks like he could have a great year um, coming up type of year, you know, if, if things fall right. Um, and Florida State has been kind of one of those pesky teams over the last couple of years where they're good, but good enough to actually, you know, really win too much, but they're still good enough to be like a quality team. I don't know if that makes sense. But uh, I, I guess they kind of compare to that in Illinois the last couple of years where they're good, but they're they're not really a great team um, yet. But that, that's kind of a game um, I'm interested to see just because I'm not totally sure what to expect out of either team, but they both do have weapons that they could, uh, you know, really, really develop into something this year maybe if things go right. Uh, spinning off of that, um, I, I know Andrew talked about Purdue here, so maybe this is his answer, but uh, – what what was a game that you were kind of disappointed in or a team that you thought, you know, really didn't get scheduled against, uh, you know, maybe a team they should have been? Um, I, you know, they the matchups are kind of generally slated into what looks the most appealing. But, you know, once in a while you get what looks like a an uneven matchup or, a, um, I, yeah, I guess just nothing too, too appealing or or just a missed opportunity. Uh Andrew, what what game do you do you think fits into that? Well, outside of like I said, uh Purdue and Pittsburgh, I really think Northwestern kind of got a bad bad scheduling there. They seem I would rather see them play somebody like Miami, somebody else that's gonna be kind of a fringe tourney team. Uh I don't know a lot about Virginia Tech this this season, this upcoming season, but typically they struggle to seem to really compete. And I know Northwestern's usually in that vein, but I think with McIntosh coming back um, and Ola, they're going to be – this might be the year. I think they probably say that every year about Northwestern, but this really seems like one of their best, best returning cores that they've had in, you know, ever. So I would have rather seen them against maybe a little bit bigger name than Virginia Tech. All right. Um, Eric, what game do you see uh, fitting into that category? Yeah, um, I think I would like to see Michigan have maybe more of a test. I mean, NC State's definitely a good team. They are losing a lot of guys. But maybe Michigan's better off starting off with a little weaker team in the uh, challenge just because they had a tough year last year. So. Maybe it would be good to have Karras start off with uh, Levert, start off with like a easier opponent instead of having a top team play against Michigan. But I think Michigan would have been cool to see them play against the top 25 teams. Seeing that, I think Michigan would probably be a top 25 team as well. Yeah, um, you know, as a as a diehard Michigan fan here, um, <laughs> I, uh, I was a little disappointed to see that uh, pop up just because, um, you know, NC State – they they make the tournament the last couple of years. They they kind of barely slid in. Um, I th- they won what one or two games this year, but um, two. Yeah, I I at least okay two. Yeah, um, I knew that they had a, they had pulled off the one win. Um, oh yeah, they beat Villanova. I can't believe I forgot that. But anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, they uh, but they're not really a powerhouse type team. Um, they kind of upsets. Michigan had a great year, but um, I really do think the Wolverines are going to be a, a quality team this year. And at least to me, that looks like a mismatch. But you know, maybe the the home court advantage for the uh, the Wolfpack will be enough there. Um, the one for me, uh, 
Andrew touched on this a little bit, but I thought Purdue should have been against, uh, at least for me, a, a tougher opponent or a, a bigger draw. Um, and at least uh, if if I was doing it, I would have put Purdue at Syracuse. I think that would have been a lot more of an intriguing game. Uh, not to say the Orange are going to be great, but I I think Purdue has enough firepower um, to where they deserve to be in one of those uh, bigger type of games, uh, at least perception-wise. And I, I think it's more of a move where they, they saw Syracuse, they didn't know if they were going to be great, but uh, you know, a lot of, it's going to draw a lot of people on TV because Syracuse. Uh, I think they just threw in Wisconsin just because they have been good last year. Um, but that, at least for me, it will also be a great game, uh, Wisconsin and Syracuse. And, um, Purdue and Pittsburgh will be an interesting one, but I – I think for me, I would have liked those two to be fl- uh, flipped there, just because uh, I think the Boilermakers have enough coming back that uh, they deserved the nod um, for the the bigger opponent there. But um, outside of that, uh, in some of the the lower games, um, put that in quotes because you, you know you never know uh, <laughs> if one of those bottoms put together a great run. Um, what what what's one of those lower type of games that that intrigues you? Um, I know the Northwestern game got touched on here a little bit, but uh, you know a game that really probably isn't going to have a big impact on the, the NCAA tournament or the NIT, but uh, that you that you think is uh, worth watching, I guess. Uh, Andrew, um, well, it depends. If you want to, I don't know. I feel like the Wake Forest Rutgers game is going to be kind of funny to watch maybe more than fun to watch, but <laughs> that'll, that one's going to be, I I would enjoy that watching that one, but I don't know if anybody's going to actually tune into that one, but the, the game on the same night there on Monday, Minnesota Clemson seems like a, you know, it doesn't get talked about and it's probably not going to get talked about, but again, a good measuring stick of where Minnesota is going to be after having, um, little Patino there and kind of have his, he's finally getting his system and his guys and whether he's going to be able to actually pull it off in the Big Ten or whether we'll maybe see somebody else uh, take his job at the end of next season. I think that's going to be a good, again, a good measuring stick for Patino and just kind of the whole Minnesota program in that game. I don't think very many people are probably going to be tuning in to watch that on Monday night. <laughs> um, Eric, how about you? What's your take on that? Yeah, to go for what uh, Andrew said earlier, I think the Miami-Nebraska game is definitely not going to get that much attention from, say, like uh, a national audience, but I think people like us would definitely watch that game. I think Nebraska needs to definitely bounce back from a tough, tough season last season. They were returning a lot of their good players, obviously, last year with Petaway, Shields, but they just couldn't get together, and this year all they got left is Shields, and um, we got to see if Coach Tim Miles can rally the troops and have people buy into his program, and hopefully they can make the NCAA tournament and get their uh, first ever win in the NCAA tournament. Um, It's definitely going to be a long year for the Cornhuskers if... uh, the recruits that are coming in don't perform, but maybe uh, Michigan transfer Max Bielfeld, if he ends up going there, can help out. But I think that's an intriguing game kind of down at the bottom. Yeah, I, I'm kind of with both of you guys here. Um, 
you know, obviously the, the bottom games aren't going to get a lot of attention and they're, they're probably not going to be as great as the, you know, a Maryland at North Carolina or something like that. But uh, the Clemson at Minnesota game looks interesting. Um, Clemson has some quality players, uh, not to say they're a great team, but they have landed some decent recruits the last couple of years. So I, I think that could be a team that, um, again, probably not going to be your NCAA type of team or a conference contender, definitely not. But, you know, maybe a, a quality NIT team, something like that. Um, maybe maybe an NCAA team, you know, if things fall right. But uh, in Minnesota, I kind of see in that same vein where, um, you know, if they get a couple guys to step up, they, they're an interesting team. And um, I, I – just think the Gophers are a fun team to watch. Just just the press system they run, I just think is uh, always fun to to tune in and check out. But uh, the other the other one, the Miami at Nebraska game definitely looks interesting. Um, everybody uh, loves themselves some Tim Miles, I guess. <laughs> uh, it's rare you hear any, anybody complain. Um, but uh, you know, it, it is going to be important because I think um, you know Tim Miles has the the positive of making the NCAA tournament at a program that really doesn't make the NCAA tournament. But now fans are going to kind of expect more, um, especially, you know, considering that he's landed some big recruits now. Um, They have some transfer guys coming in, uh, like Andrew White from Kansas. And I I think it's, you know, people are going to start to look to see that real progress, uh, especially for talent on the roster. Um, and, and that'll be an interesting game. Uh, you know, Miami hasn't been an outstanding team, but again, they're kind of like Florida state. I was talking about earlier where, uh, they've been decent, uh, not good, not great, but, uh, at least a decent opponent. Um, and, and that, that'll be an interesting game to check out. Um, you know, Nebraska normally plays well at home, um, with a great crowd as well. So that'll be, uh, that'll be an interesting thing. Um, Spinning off of that, I guess, kind of more generally here, um, I, I know it's very difficult to pick since most of these are 50-50 type of games, but uh, if you had to guess right now, uh, who do you think wins the ACC Big Ten Challenge? Uh, I put wins in quotes because, um, you know, generally people consider the conference winning whoever has the best record. Um, but as I was talking about earlier, the Big Ten very likely could struggle at the top, but really rack up a bunch of uh, wins at the bottom. Uh, but Andrew, we'll start with you. Uh, who, who do you think comes out on top? Uh, well, you're probably never going to hear me not pick the Big Ten in this situation. <laughs> but I really think uh, almost a sweep of some of these bottom teams and maybe that's just because I know more about the bottom Big Ten teams than the bottom ACC teams, and I don't know about all the guys coming into the ACC, but there just seems like so many matchups after you get past maybe the first first couple that are leaning a little bit towards the Big Ten in my mind. You know, I think the North Carolina-Maryland is really a toss-up, and I kind of favored Duke over Indiana, especially in Cameron Indoor. Uh but after that, I kind of like the Big Ten in most of the matchups, with the exception of maybe Notre Dame over Iowa being a little bit more towards Notre Dame. All right. Um, I think you mean uh, Illinois there. But, uh, <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, sorry. But yeah, <laughs> uh, no worries. Um, uh, Eric, how, how do you see things shaking out? 
Yeah, I agree with Andrew. I think at the bottom, I think the Big Ten should be favored in most of those matchups. And then, obviously, the Maryland-North Carolina game is a toss-up. The only game I see that the Big Ten might lose would be Virginia-Ohio State. I just think Virginia might be a little too uh, experienced and strong for a young Ohio State team. But other than that, I think uh, and maybe the Duke-Indiana game uh, because I just think I don't know. I just think the Duke freshmen. We'll see if they're ready for the big lights, but I think the coach K will have them ready. But yeah, I do think the Big Ten will definitely win most of the uh, bottom games, and then some of the top games they'll struggle in. But I think they'll end up getting the job done. Uh, yeah, I mean, I hate to I hate to be the consensus <laughs> guy here. Um, so I, I I do think the Big Ten will come out um, on top. And and kind of for the same reason, I, I think when you get four or five games at the bottom where the Big Ten is probably going to be a decent favorite, um, at least at least for me, because um, a lot of those teams, they do have quality pieces and they look like they're going to take a step forward. In terms of the middle, um, that a lot of times that's, that, that determines these things. Um, but that's going to be... That's going to be interesting as well. I think I think the middle of both sides is kind of unknown, especially when you talk about you know teams like Wisconsin, Syracuse, Notre Dame, Illinois. Um, you don't really know what to expect. Um, I think teams like Michigan and Purdue are going to be solid favorites as well, but you also don't know about the environments they're going into. Um, the one matchup uh, uh, Eric touched on this, but that I do think the Big Ten. Um, is going to be a solid underdog in, and I think for good reason. It's Virginia at Ohio State. Um, I know a lot of people are hyping that game up because it's two teams who've had a lot of success the last few years, but um, the Buckeyes, I really am just struggling to see them uh, taking a step forward. Uh, I think they're actually going to kind of struggle to maintain the success they had this year, Um, and they were not even close to Virginia uh, quality-wise this year. Um, you know, they do get them at home, but I, I don't necessarily think uh, they have the greatest home court advantage uh, in general. And uh, that that could be a game I think the Big Ten could get uh, kind of beat up in. But uh, outside of that, I think the Big Ten has enough favorable matchups here to win, definitely. Um, but it should be it should be a close battle, as always. I definitely don't think either conference has a, has a clear advantage coming in here. Um, but, yeah, uh, jumping off that um, – Obviously, you know, we're starting to get into the prediction time here. Um, the rosters are starting to take shape. Uh, a lot of transfers, um, a lot of recruiting decisions. Um, probably the biggest recruiting decision, at least for the Big Ten, over, I guess decisions, I should say, over the last couple of weeks has been uh, Caleb Swanigan uh, decommitting from Michigan State and committing to Purdue here. Um, first off, uh how do you see his impact? Um, and spinning off of that, um, kind of, are you surprised that he did end up picking Purdue? Um, and we'll start with uh, with Andrew here on this. Well, impact-wise, I think just the hype surrounding him is going to be a big. Well, I, definitely from the Purdue side of things, we're definitely hoping that that's going to be a big boost just to the program, even in general. The landing of a recruit that that high of a profile in such a way, uh, you know, has caused a lot of stir and a lot of talk about Purdue basketball in the middle of the summer, which doesn't happen a lot 
except when Robbie Hummel tears an ACL in practice. (laughs) (laughs) I think on the court, though, he's, from what I've heard, he's really the perfect four for what Painter wants to do and kind of what he wants to do in Painter's offense. They say he's got a really good uh, passing in inside and back outside too, and he's really hungered to play where he's not just the feature, the featured big guy above everybody else like he was in a lot of games in high school, and like you're always going to be when you're an imposing five-star center like he was was in high school. But I think I think really he's going to work work well with Hammonds. The spacing issue might come up, but from what I hear, he's got a little bit more of a range than he gets credit for, but he's never gotten the chance to show up much on the actual court and real game time. Now, until we actually see him play, there's going to be a lot of questions about how that's all going to work. And obviously the Twin Towers experiment lasted about all of five minutes last year for Purdue, so they're going to have to figure out how to get that spacing figured out and see see where you go. I think Vince Edwards playing at the three could either be a lot of help to him or could kind of stifle his game because he is kind of that in-between player, and the matchups are going to be – he's going to be matching up against completely different type of players at the three spot. So we'll see how he adjusts in that instance as well. Uh, Eric, uh, what's your reaction to the, the Swanigan, uh commitment? Yeah, um, I think Swanigan definitely surprised me a little bit, uh, not with his decommit from Michigan State, but I thought he was really going to strongly consider going to California because after Jalen Brown made his decision and Ivan Robb, like, they had a good setup down in California. I thought he was going to think about going out there because that would have been a really tough team to beat. But I guess he decided to stay home, and, you know, that makes Purdue a very tough team in the Big Ten. Obviously, it doesn't make them the best team in the Big Ten, but I think it puts them a couple uh, spots up from where they were. And they're going to have a very talented front court because he is a very talented player. Um, obviously, he's going to have a little pressure on him because he's the biggest recruit that Purdue's had in a while and he's going to get a lot of love, and he's going to get a lot of criticism if he doesn't play well. But I think he's ready for it. Um, he's he's going to be good. I'm excited to watch him play. Yeah, I, I think uh, most Big Ten fans, with possibly the exception of Indiana here, huh, <laughs> will be uh, really excited to see uh, Swanigan uh, strap up with the Big Ten, and especially when he could have went to a place like Kentucky, which I, I think most people didn't want him to go but uh, <laughs> for selfish reasons. Um, yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's huge for the big 10. Um, I, I do think he fit in terms of, and how much of a boost to a team he would give. I do think he would have given Michigan state a bigger boost because I think he filled a bigger need than at Purdue. But, um, yeah, he definitely should step right in, start right away, um, and really contribute to a, a team that, that does seem to have some depth, uh, definitely has some talent, um, and really looks to take a step forward um, this season. I I do have my doubts. Uh, I know uh, 
Purdue fans kind of ripped me over the weekend because I was a little bit uh, down on where I <laughs> where I see them for next year. Um, again, I still think they're going to be a really good team, but uh, I, I do have some concerns um, kind of about how good they were last year and, you know, where they're starting from, I guess, to put it simply, uh, and how much they can improve. But Swanigan should be a big boost to that, um, and they definitely, you know, it, it's – Easily the biggest commitment Purdue's gotten in a long time. And um, I know looking back, I mean, it could be their biggest commitment, uh, you know, in the rivals, uh, you know, Yahoo uh, 247 era, uh, so to speak, Um, you know, at least since recruiting rankings have been generally available. Um, But spinning off of that, uh, obviously, you know, there's been more than just the Swanigan uh, decision here, a lot of roster movement. what do you think has been, you know, some of the the bigger moves here over the last couple of weeks to month um, that you do think is going to have a, an effect on the Big Ten, or at least the biggest decision for you outside of uh, Swanigan? Um, Andrew, we'll, we'll start with you here. Um, just just kind of how you see, uh, you know, these decisions impacting this year. Um, I think a big one's going to be uh, Bielfeld out of Michigan, where he ends up going. Uh, that's kind of the next domino to fall, and I, it's going to be it's going to have a big impact across the Big Ten, not only as on the court, but I think off the court, it's going to kind of create more conversation about cross conference transfers and whether that's something that they want to look into or whether that's something that is acceptable and we we might see more of in the future. I know it's been frowned upon in the past, but it's kind of started to become a little bit more prevalent. There's a couple couple of guys that have done that in the last uh, five years or so. I think he could be a big boost to either Nebraska or Indiana. And honestly, I would rather not see him go to Indiana as a Purdue fan because they don't <laughs> – I don't know that Bryant automatically gives them – the size that they need by himself, especially with Trey being gone, but with Bielfeld and Bryant, then you get a little bit more, more inside, and they're get, that would be probably boost them into a top ten, maybe even a top five uh, team going into next season. So he's really my big, my big one. Um, trying to think of any of the other big commitments this this week. I've kind of been. Uh, little narrowed in on <laughs> Swanigan all for like a month it seems like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um how 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 about you, Eric? Uh what do you see as one of the, the bigger deci- non Swanigan decisions I should say, uh, you know, for next year's Big Ten. Yeah, I mean uh let's go back to talking about Maryland and Diamond Stone. Uh, he's a huge decision. That's basically all Maryland's missing was a true center last season, and they were a very good team. And now, even though they're losing Des Wells as one of their best players, Stone's going to step right in at the center position, and they're going to have, like, one of the best starting lineups in the country. And he obviously is going to have a lot of pressure on him. He's probably going to start right away. He's going to be uh, have a lot of pressure on him, and uh, we're going to see how he's going to do. But I think that he's ready for it, and that's he's going to really show, uh, tell whether or not Maryland's going to be a title contender because he is 
the biggest recruit Maryland's gotten in a while as well, just like Swanigan going to Purdue. A lot of big recruits going to the Big Ten this season. A lot of big recruits. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, Stone's going to have a huge impact on kind of how thing how things shape out uh, for the conference. Um, for me, some some of the other ones uh, we haven't jumped on here. Uh, Rashid Salman for uh, transferring from Duke to Maryland. Um, I know there's kind of a lot of mixed takes on the impact there. Um, you know, some people think he was that missing piece that's going to step in um, and push Maryland, you know, kind of over that last hump and really make them a, a real, na- not only national title contender, but perhaps the favorite. Um, I know the, the latest odds out uh, either have Maryland as, you know, tied with North Carolina or the outright favorite, um, you know, for the title. Uh, which is kind of crazy to think about, you know, considering where Maryland was a couple of years ago. But nonetheless, um, I do think he's going to have an impact on that team and definitely give them another option at, um, you know, one of the few positions, you know, questionable positions for their team next year. Um, you know, one of the one of the other um, decisions I think is going to have some impact is uh, uh, Mike Thorne for uh, he's transferring from Charlotte into Illinois. Um, the Illini really needed someone to step in for Agu, and I think they got their guy. I'm not sure if he's going to be as productive uh, as Agu was uh, last couple of years, but um, I think he's definitely good enough so that if they can get their backcourt going, as how most people see, that they could be a really uh, a quality team there. Um, and I, I think those are two. Um, decisions that aren't going to get as much headline. I guess, you know, the, the Solomon one kind of does because he's from Duke. But uh, <laughs> um, I, I think those are two decisions that are going to uh, at least impact um, some of the more quality teams. Uh, jumping back to the, the Bufield discussion here, um, I, I'm kind of mixed on the whole. I, I think I've, I've seen a lot of Indiana fans, a lot of Nebraska fans being really high on him. Um you know, as a as a Michigan fan, I have watched him very closely the last uh, few years. I I am not sure the fans should be as high on him as they are. Um, I, I think one thing that's getting that's not getting talked about is that um, he pretty openly wanted to come back to Michigan, and it seemed like staff were kind of content with just letting him go, um, and it seemed like. It was more of a hey, if you come back, you're really not going to play. So we're just going to part ways on good terms. You go get your opportunity elsewhere. We're going to go with our younger guys, and uh, we'll both feel good about it. Um, and I, I think, um, you know, but I think a lot of the fan, you know, the Indiana, the Nebraska fans, where he might end up, are acting like you know he was Michigan's big guy inside. Uh, he was a backup. Um, he started some of the games later in the year, um, but uh, he's a he's a good rebounder. Um, he's a solid defender, um, but I think uh, he's going to be kind of limited in the low post game. And I'm not I'm not sure he's that clear. Uh, not to say that either of those teams think he is, but I don't think he's that clear answer. You know, to take a team that has problems inside and suddenly fix them. Um, but yeah, you know, you know, best of luck to him. Best of luck to either of those teams. You know, if he if he does uh, opt to go uh, either of those places. But uh, but yeah, I, I think we touched on some of the the major news here around the Big Ten over the last couple of weeks. Uh, obviously, uh, 
an exciting time here um, in terms of roster movement. Uh, as I as I opaque with, it's going to start to calm down here over the the next couple weeks, and really there probably won't be too much roster change uh, after that. But uh, still, a couple things. Uh, um, is there any, is there anything uh, newsworthy that you that you consider around the Big Ten that you uh, you wanted to touch on here before we go? Um, Andrew, we'll we'll just jump to you if there if there's anything you want to uh, jump on here about the Big Ten before we uh, head out and watch some Golden State, I guess. <laughs> um, you know, not again, not really much much has uh, gone past my computer screen that didn't have the word Swanigan in it uh, in the last two weeks. <laughs> so, uh, really, I'm. All right. The thing I'm most interested uh, to see is the uh, just how the schedules shake out, and specifically, just as a Purdue fan, we don't have a lot of good matchups. I don't feel going into the uh, year. I think we got Butler in the Crossroads Classic is good, but then even our preseason tournament, you know, Florida and Old Dominion look like the best options to end up playing in the Hall of Fame classic and neither one of those looks especially shiny uh going into the year right now so it'd be interesting to yeah, see how scheduling ends up going the rest of the year now that the big 10 acc tournament or big 10 acc challenge is set yeah i agree i think um you know one of the least talked about things is scheduling and i think it really is one of the most important things when you actually shake out and look at the impact but um, Eric, uh, how about you? Any any Big Ten things here before we before we head out? Um, no, not really. Just basically uh, interested to see how many Big Ten players get chosen in the NBA draft coming in June. It would be kind of cool to see three players get chosen in the lottery. Could be Kaminsky, Decker, and Russell. But I definitely want to see how many players end up uh, get chosen out of sixty spots. Yeah, that'll be a uh, probably the the biggest single event here of the of the summer rolling up. But yeah, I think that about does it for the last uh, couple of weeks here around the, around the conference. Um, the only thing that I I did want to throw out one last thought on here, um, and I'm interested to get your guys' take. But um, uh, Jim Delaney has kind of been uh, going on a I don't know a media tour. I don't I'm not sure what to call it, but he's been releasing you know statements and so on. Basically calling for a reinstatement of the freshman ineligibility rules um of I want to I think 1972 was when they got rid of it but um where essentially your first year you are not eligible to play uh you know college athletics um I am a very strong critic of this uh um <laughs> plan I I think it is and I think it is just a to try to save a system that they they know is flawed and they know is going to go down in court and they just are trying to put in you know some last ditch efforts to save it. But um, be, uh, Andrew, you have any thoughts on this? Well, yeah, I, I think his most recent comments, and I don't I don't know how much this was affected by the backlash, but I think his most recent comments kind of made it sound like well, we really were just trying to get people to talk about this idea and how 
it would how students are being affected by the recruiting process and all that or something. I, it, it's obviously a bad idea for anybody that wants to watch the best players in basketball play in college. Um, it kind of negates the whole purpose of the weight of the 19 year old rule in the NBA. If you can't play that year in college, then that would change the entire landscape of basketball you know, from the ground up. And I don't think anybody really wants to see that, especially somebody who makes a lot of money based on freshmen that are playing basketball and football and all those other sports. And Delaney would be kind of damaging his product to actually implement such a an idea. So I don't think we'll actually see much more about it past uh, this summer maybe, but... <laughs> um uh Eric uh, a- any thoughts on uh on this proposal from Delaney? Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's pretty absurd that he would even consider proposing freshman ineligibility. Like I agree that sometimes recruiting can be a circus and obviously they some of the incoming recruits make it a big deal where they're going and stuff like that, but you need these freshmen to attract a lot of uh, the fans out there, and this makes the game of college basketball really enjoying to watch. So I don't think that the freshman ineligibility will ever get passed. Yeah, I, I think one of the things, um, you know, clearly it's, it's a very complicated issue. There would be so many different factors going into it. But I think it just kind of assumes a way, you know, especially that um, – that suddenly because these athletes don't dress and don't travel with the team, that suddenly they have massive amounts of extra time, you know, when in all likelihood they're still going to be going to practice, they're still going to be going to all the home games, they're still going to be watching the games. It's just they're not going to travel, they're not going to dress, and they're probably not going to have to go to, you know, some film sessions and so on. You know, I'm sure there will be some time there, but, um, you know, I think that's the first thing. And, and you know, as you guys touched on um you know, the Big Ten, one of the product in the entire conference last year was a freshman. Um, you know, do you really want to essentially tell this guy, oh, yeah, you know, you can't play because you're not a year older and we know what's best for you. By the way, hey, we're giving you 40000 and we just made $3 million on this game. But <laughs> um, I, I just think it's kind of outrageous. Um, and I, I think it's really just a – like I said, uh, you know, in a car wash for, you know, a completely junked car. You know, the, the system is the problem. And until they start to make real changes to the system, they can't keep trying to, you know, shine up this car and try to sell it off to the public. Um, I, I agree. I don't think there, this is actually going to lead to anything significant. But, uh, you know, if the conference commissioner is talking about it, clearly, you know, it's going to get attention. Um, and definitely uh, an interesting topic to see how it how it shakes out. But but outside of that, I, I think that's I think that's all we have here for uh, for this time. Um, hopefully, we'll get back on um, in the next week or two. Um, talk more about you know kind of the recruiting um, and hopefully start getting into pre- some preview stuff uh, for next season. But uh, thanks again, guys, for uh, for coming on. Um, and thanks for everybody who who checked us out. Thank <laughs> you.